Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, personal besties. Welcome back to the last day of the week one reset. I have loved going through this with you. I have loved, you know, encouraging others to live their personal best helps me live my personal best and just getting to see, you know, so many people starting off their year with such ambition and passion for where they're going to end up. So if you are just tuning in now, go back to Monday's episode and go throughout the week of the week one reset in order to set up your New Year's resolutions. I take you through four different activities and today is the last day of it. And today we're ending with a guest interview. I have Vanessa come on and Vanessa is a really special guest because she started running in the 80s when there weren't half marathons there weren't 5k's there weren't 10k's there was only sprints or the marathon and there also weren't really any female marathoners so she went out at age 14 and decided she was going to run a marathon even though she saw no one else doing it and no other females did And so her story is just so inspiring and also just has you dream big. I mean, she dreamed big for so many years and that's kind of, you know, the theme of this week is dreaming big, putting ourselves out there and trying to accomplish things that might not have been done. So with that, we will go into the conversation with Vanessa. But before we dive in, there is one extra exclusive podcast episode that goes with this week. It is the number one reason why so many people fail at their goals, why people, you know, start them and they're on the right track and then maybe fall off the wagon, never get back on, right? Like what is this one thing that's preventing everyone from going what they want? So if this interests you. If you have a goal that you're working towards and you're like, I need help, go download a 15-minute episode of the number one reason why people fail and also includes four steps on how you can combat it. So it's at weekonereset.com slash goals, weekonereset.com slash goals. And with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we are joined by Vanessa. She's a personal trainer, running coach, sports nutritionist, and tennis professional with a private fitness studio in San Jose, California. She's the author of It's Your Body, Move It, Love It, Live, and she's also the CEO of Exercise in the Streets, a nonprofit which brings exercise and new workout clothes and shoes to foster children and incarcerated youth. Vanessa, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Oh, Emily, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I'd love to start off getting to know a little bit more about your background. Cause I mean, you haven't always been an athlete. Have you like, you didn't come from an athletic family or anything? 
No, I can't even imagine what that would be like. No, I came from the very opposite of an athletic family and was a very overweight child. And so I think all we all remember that really fat kid in school and I was that fat kid. And I think that, you know, it's so amazing to think about how our body weight can just affect our entire lives. So I wasn't just overweight as a child. I was also barely a C student and had no ambition, all of that thing, everything that's completely opposite of what most people would think about if they know me as an adult. That's crazy. So you started off, you know, very much not into athletics. And then how did you start? So when I grew up in a small town and my mother was hoping I would play basketball because we were in a basketball town. And so I went to a little summer camp for high school between my eighth grade and my freshman year of high school. And the coach was a very nice man. And he just said to me, Vanessa, you probably want to get fit before high school starts and basketball season starts. I was a little over 200 pounds, maybe 205 at that point. Couldn't jump, couldn't shoot a basket, couldn't do anything. But Frank Shorter was my hero. There's no other way to put it. You know, I'd watched the Olympics on TV and I never thought I could be an athlete, but I wanted the hardworking character of those runners that I saw on TV. So I had a whole plan. I went and bought the shoes, the $19 Nikes and got all the books in the library and decided to go run. But it didn't work out as planned because I went out, you know, all these guys were running 100 miles a week or more. I went out and I did 23 steps my first run. And this was a big revelation to me that I really couldn't do it. This was the really the first internal revelation that I was fat and unathletic and a loser. There's just no other way to put it. And so I sat in the corner and cried and then walked back home and said, hey, what if I do just maybe one more step? What if I do 24 steps and not 23? What if this one time I don't give up? So I didn't, and I did 26 steps, which was like huge. Wow, I planned for 24, I did 26. And these couple of little tiny runs took me almost an hour. Came home and said, I'm gonna do this. By the end of the summer, I was running 11 miles a day. I had dropped 60 pounds. I ran my first 10 mile race. I'm just barely 14 years old now. I mean, this was crazy. This is 1980. There are no women running. It's so bizarre when you think of today, when you go see a 5K or whatever, and all of these women are out there, there's 55, 60% in most races. Even in marathons today, it's still 40% women. But back then, you didn't see people running up and down the roads all day like you do now. So it's very different. Yeah, I didn't realize, you know, you picked it up from such a young age because, you know, basketball maybe is something that a lot of children do. But going out and running, you know, as you said, not a lot of people did it. So how did you find this motivation as a young kid? Like, why did you want to pick up running so bad? I think that I feel that running was something I could do. Unlike basketball, where someone had to teach me how to do it or to play softball, normal sports, but I could just go out and run and I could do it any time of day. So I went to work full time in high school. So besides going to high school, I'm working full time. I buy a house at the ridiculous age of 14 and I could go run at four and 4.30 in the morning and I could do it two times a day if I wanted to. And there was no, like, I, for me, I think it was a lot of the meditative part. Of, of running. Running is a repetitive sport. So you can, most of us meditate while we're out there, even with screaming music in our ears. And I think it really helped me mentally so much, but it was a very quiet thing to me because I didn't walk around and say, Hey, I'm going to run a marathon next year, but I'm 15 years old. It was a very quiet decision I made to myself when I finished that 10 mile race. Wow. 
I'm going to do a marathon. Well, back then, of course, we didn't have races all day, every day, every weekend. There's, you know, races everywhere. We didn't have that back then. So basically you ran the 100, you ran the mile, or you ran the marathon. There wasn't the rest of this stuff. And that's all we knew. And because Frank Shorter was my hero, the marathon was my goal. There was something about that torture of watching people run 26.2 miles. So that was my goal. I set that goal for a year out and of course um, did it as a 15 year old. Wow. That's incredible. Like thinking about how young you were and where you had like started from, like, you know, going and you're doing it on your own too. You're like, I'm just going to pick up these books, learn about running on my own. Um, I feel like we just never hear about that happening now. Well, and I think you have to realize in 1980, women didn't run. They told us our uteruses would fall out if we ran. I mean, everything that we would screw up, we'd screw up our bone structure. And we always, until today, we still have mostly male coaches, right? So no one knew how to have us run. That's why we all got injured over and over again. No one talked about form, stretching, the rest of it. It just wasn't known. So this is a very different era now. Back then, we just went out and literally ran. So there was, there was I've never heard of a running coach back then. We had barely had track coaches at high school that knew anything, right? So this was very different. Um, and I just ran. So I got injured a lot because that's what we did. We didn't know better. We didn't know how to eat, which is so funny about, you know, when people have cramps and stuff now and I laugh and I go, well, let's look like a new diet or we work on stuff. And I can't even imagine having someone to talk to, to say, Hey, you know, I've got this problem. What shoes fit me? I mean, everything is so different now to keep people out of injury and get them running happy instead of just running, beating up your body like we did back then. Yeah, definitely. And so you went on and you didn't just train for a marathon and run a marathon, but you've actually won marathons now. So you had a great career. You like, you loved running. Like, can you talk to us through like your competitions? Like, what did it look like once you started competing at the age of 15? So at the age of 15, I went to my first marathon and I saw maybe three other women. There were thousands of men. I was freaked out. I was 15 years old. I didn't know anything. Gun goes off and I run and I hallucinate while I run. And, you know, I win the 1800 division and like, it was amazing. And then I ran um, a few months later, a hometown marathon in 1982 in May and actually won that one. And it was really great because it was near my hometown. And I think this was a whole different thing. Now I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to, you know, drink water on the way and whatever else you needed to do. Very, very different time frame um, when you have that first couple down your in your belt and you know what to expect. So then I got seriously injured. I tore my Achilles tendon. I had been a cross country runner in high school, of course, and tore it before I went to college. So did not run for a number of years, was a high level competitive tennis player for a while, was an equestrian, went to the trials with my horses, did a lot of things, but never really thought I could run again after the tear of the Achilles tendon. Just didn't think it would happen. And then lo and behold, I would, you know, run two or three miles. And then one day I thought, you know what, maybe I'll enter a 5k. And so this was like, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, you know, I'm well past the adult and I'm amazed at how big runs races are now. This is like shocking to me as someone who ran as a child. And honestly, I got my first 5k as an adult and I'm 38 minutes. Like I am so slow. It's shocking. Right. But it's not hurting. And now I'm, now I know how to take care of my body. I've had lots of injuries. I've done lots of things. It's a whole different thing. And I thought, I wonder if I could run competitively again and do that same thing I did as a kid. Hey, you know what? In a year, why don't I run a marathon again? And so that's kind of where it all went and where it goes today. 
the interesting thing about me at 55 today is I can race almost every weekend. If you look at my social media, you see I raced 5Ks, half marathons, marathons, really competitive in my age group, usually first, second or third in my age group, almost every other weekend, um, know how to do the different distances and know how not to get injured. So I can run a marathon on a Sunday and still see nine personal training clients on a Monday. And then I mean, no, I'm not limping. Nothing looks weird. Might've lost a couple pounds, but I mean, you know, knowing how to take care of yourself, especially as we age is incredible now. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, now that you're able to, as you said, run on Sunday and then see clients throughout the week, is this because you're doing more recovery, physical therapy? Like what changed for you that now you see all this endurance? Actually, I take really great care of myself. I do it with food. I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I'd love to. I just can't. I know if I have two glasses of wine, the next day, my heart rate is at 10 beats a minute when I run. This is really important stuff. 10 beats a minute up on my heart rate is going to wear me out on that run. So I can't do it. You know, you can only drink once or twice a week if I'm not going to, you know, not feel bad when I run. I make sure of the proper training. I'm not pushing myself out. If I'm going to run, if I'm going to race a 5K on the weekend on the track. I make sure that I've done speed work, right? I'm not just going out blindly. I stretch with my clients all day long, which is a big deal. I'm a big believer in flexibility is what has kept me out of injury in the last five years that before I didn't do. I'm more flexible now as a 55-year-old than I was as a 14-year-old for sure. Yeah, I love that. It just goes to show, you know, like if you work on it, it will improve. It's not, you know, you had to have done it years ago. Like there always room for improvement where you're at. And I'd love to talk about too, you know, you said that you picked up all these sports after you had your Achilles injury. You even like went to the Olympic trials for a different sport. How did you see like what you learned about yourself from running, maybe like transfer into those other areas of your life? Well, I think it's super interesting because this came up the other day with a friend. We were talking about javelin throwing, which I also throw the javelin. And so I'm a big believer in learning new things all the time. Um, and you know, I'd grown up with horses and grew up in a horse area, but as a kid, of course, didn't have any money as I got older and had money. I wanted to do it right. I always wanted to be a grand prix jumper. So I got to be a grand prix jumper, had some amazing horses to get me to the Olympic trials. I had never played tennis as a child. It was a rich person's sport. I was a very poor child as an adult. I learned to play high level tennis. I was nationally ranked for 10 different years. I mean, I learned if you get the right instructor, and you put the right effort in, you can do anything. At the age of 50, I decided that I wanted to do something really different. And for my birthday, I literally went out and hired an NCAA division one winning javelin thrower to teach me how to throw the javelin because I wanted to learn to throw the javelin. So I think that that, you know, when I, when you can do something, running gives you that feeling I can do anything, right? And if I can, you know, change careers, I can learn a new sport, you know, I can do whatever. And I think that's what running has done in my life. Like nothing else showed me that I can do things. Yeah, no. And I love that you're still finding that too. You know, like you're able to come back to running, but you're like, that's still not enough. I still know that I can do more out there. Well, I think it's really, you know, we are, we are evolving and I, and I'm really open to change, which I think is really interesting when someone says it's too difficult. I don't know how to do that. Well, who knows how to do anything when you start, right? And I'm never embarrassed. There's, there's nothing that I can do. You know, I'll fall down, whatever it may be. It's okay with me if I can learn. For me, learning is everything. Yeah, I love that. And so I want to talk now about your book because, you know, you've been running for your life now. You've been doing marathons. So what led you now to want to write the book as your next thing? 
So I've been working as a personal trainer for 10 years. And I think what most people think of as a personal trainer is very different than the reality. So I have a private fitness studio in San Jose, Train With V. And it's not like I've got bodybuilding guys. I have a couple of them, but that's not the majority of the people that come in. People come in, everybody, with pain. Nobody walks in my door saying, hey, I'm super fit and I just want to stay this way. I just don't have that person. Maybe they exist somewhere. So I wanted people to know what the reality was of personal training, the different kinds of people that come to see me and what it's like. And I brought many people to run their first half marathon, run their first 5K, lose over 100 pounds, get out of wheelchairs, walk successfully. You don't understand how often people at the age of 70 can no longer move. They literally can get out of a chair comfortably or walk. I take great joy in showing them that we can get your body to feel better so that you can function in daily life better. So that's what the book is really about. It's about my story, but it's also about the story of my clients and how they actually get ahead in life by fixing their bodies. That's so cool. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, if you've never been to personal training before, maybe you are at the beginning of the journey. It's like, well, is that even for me? <laughs> or like, what could I benefit from? And so I don't know if you deal with this at all, but do you ever run into clients who maybe they don't know what their goal is, right? They just know that they want to be more in shape, but they don't know how to even approach it. Yes. And so the reason that people usually come to me, especially is that it's fully private. Everyone has seen somebody, whether it be yourself or somebody else, walk into that big commercial gym, look at all the machines and go, uh, I don't know what to do here. This is kind of weird, right? Or feel embarrassed. There's no embarrassment. Everything's private. There's nobody else there. And I can instruct you how to do things properly, whether it be walking or running or throwing a football or whatever it may be that you want to do. And I'm very big at figuring out what you want to do in life. You have grandkids you want to play with. You want to be able to golf with your husband, whatever it may be. Let's figure out how to get you doing the things you want to do in life. And so this is where I take people to. I, I'm, I'm great at talking to people and to get them to say what they really want. People hide their true desires a lot. And that that's just has to go out the window when you work with me, because I'm going to figure it out with you. And then we're going to get there. Yeah. So it's more like asking yourself first, what do I want in life? And then, okay, how can the gym and like the work that I do in fitness kind of help complement that? Exactly. And how do we get there? And all those things that you never want to admit. And I think it's really interesting when people don't want to say, and it's really common with weight loss. I have a woman doing amazing. She's lost about 60 pounds right now. And so when she walked in, she says, oh, my goal is this. And I go, no, it's not. I mean, that's what you think you can do. I can get you to this. And she goes, you're so sure of it. And I go, I help people lose this kind of weight all the time. And as we hit her goal, she's like, this is crazy. I never thought I could be this. Then I go, and what else? And she goes, and feel this good. Like, I really didn't think so. I really, because we start to accept that we're not that great. And I don't think we have to. Now we're not all going to go to the Olympics and whatever, right? But we can all be the best we can be and feel proud of what the work we do. That's what I want to think of my clients. Yeah. So you're kind of saying, you know, they come in almost like thinking too small for their goals. They're like, oh, like, you know, I, I think I can get there. And you're like, actually, no, like I can help you to go up to like go even further than that. Exactly. That's that's exactly what happens all the time. And then we figure out what works in your life. You know, I've had guys that I've taken to their first half marathon. That's a lot of work, right? If you're running 30, 35 miles a week is what I do on my half marathon people. That's a lot of time away from the family. But maybe you want to run, but you can't do that kind of time. Well, what about if we get you to a super fast 5K so you're winning your age group in the 5K, right? That can be very exciting also. So I took a guy that's got a couple of kids and we did that instead. And boy, is he thrilled. Now the time-wise works 
and he knows he's super competitive. He's running faster at 56 than he has his entire life. He's running 8.15 a mile. I mean, he's like, what is this, right? Never thought he could do anything like that before. Yeah, that's awesome. So with these clients that you have, do you ever see people falling back maybe into their old habits, into their old patterns? And what kind of recommendations do you have there? So it's really difficult. We all go backwards, every one of us. And there are some things that are really, really difficult to break habits. Alcohol. Alcohol is huge. I don't care if you drink for whatever reason, realize that's a lot of calories. So that's a big deal. And it changes your body chemistry for the next day. So we got to figure out how we can fit fit that into your lifestyle. If you eat out a lot, if you don't cook, it's a problem, right? So we have to figure out how to figure out a balance. I never take everybody's joy out of life. I always figure out what, so if you have dinner with your husband or your family or your kids or Sunday, you know, brunch is a big deal at your grandma's house, that stays as part of your life. We never take that out, but how do we adjust your life to get the calorie reduction and everything else work? So if you love to drink alcohol, we may go to just tequila with some lime juice instead of the margarita. So we take the sugar out, right? If you're going to drink wine, you're drinking one glass and not three. So we still have it. We're we're not depriving you. No one's happy when they're deprived, but we figure out how to get you there and make it a lifestyle choice and not just, oh my God, they're taking things away from me. You never want to feel deprived. Yeah. And that kind of goes back into your book too. I know kind of like your slogan for it or, you know, what the description is that a healthier life doesn't start with a program. Um, so if it doesn't start with a program, what exactly do you think a healthier life starts with? with it starts with a commitment to yourself that I'm going to take care of this body. So we have these amazing machines. That's what our bodies are. It's a machine. If you buy a new car today, you're going to wash that new car. You're going to clean that new car. You're going to make sure you did the service at the right time but we neglect these bodies we live in 24 hours a day. We say, oh, I'm too tired. It's okay. I just go to McDonald's, no big deal. You wouldn't put dirty stuff in your gas tank. Why do you do it in your body? I really wanna make people really make a commitment to take care of these bodies. And then all of a sudden they get that. If I can take care of this, you have a dog, you feed your dog every day, right? You don't feed your dog trash you just picked up in the street. So we gotta realize this, right? And take care of it. Yeah, no, it's funny how, you know, we do treat those other things better than we treat ourselves and we don't even think about that in the same way. I just think it's interesting that we do neglect our bodies so much. And one of the things that I'm, I'm very concerned with, you know, we as females are always figuring out the, the, the body acceptance thing. Here's the situation, honestly, if you are putting yourself in spanks because you think squashing your internal organs to make yourself look better is a good thing. Wow. How did we get here? We should have left this. We should have left the corset world and the girdle world. That is not okay. That is just not okay that women do this to themselves. Severe plastic surgeries because you, I mean, the most successful women in the world, the Kardashians are completely plastic. These are the women that are looked up to instead of the women who actually have PhDs and take care of their bodies. So we have to really think as women, I believe that this is a change. We take care of these bodies as machines. We don't want them to be plastic. We don't want to do all this fake thing. We want to be authentic. Yeah. And I feel like it's within that work too, in the hard work of you showing up and you caring for it, that you do become more confident and accepting of it too, even if there aren't big changes happening. Is there any one last piece of advice that you'd love to leave everyone with today? Be honest with yourself. This is the hardest thing with all of us. Am I honestly taking care of this body to the best of my ability? Am I cheating myself? And if I am, 
Why am I doing it? Why am I letting myself down? Set achievable goals. No one is going to eat a perfect diet. No one's going to exercise perfectly. But if I can say, I'm going to do five days a week, 20 minutes, make it a priority. That's less than 1% of your day. You could do that, right? Make 20 minutes. We spend more than 20 minutes doing our hair, right? So we can do it. We can take it for exercise. Make that commitment to yourself. Oh yeah. I've definitely spent 20 minutes on a lot of other things that are so less important, (laughs) but thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Where can everyone find you, follow you, all of that? Fitness-23.com will lead you to everything. My social media, my websites, all that kind of stuff. Train with V underscore fitness 23 on Instagram. You can see all the bizarre pictures, all that kind of stuff, but everything will lead you off fitness-23.com to all of my stuff. You can get autographed books from me there and anything else you want. And you can follow the videos on YouTube, you know, and we have a whole app coming out to work out with and all that kind of fun stuff. Awesome. I'll include that below. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.